listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. podcast here to serve you up a nice hot slice of some pharmacy pizza pie i'm your host dr candace olushala and man it's been a hot minute y'all it is already 2023 and the ball is still rolling oh we are out here in these streets still advocating for the profession of pharmacy and we're not gonna stop (laughs) until we get it together okay so just wanted to give you a little update a little news about what's going on with the pizza's not working movement right now currently we are in the process of trying to send pizza is not working to the american pharmacists association 2023 meeting in march now bled tanaway dr bled tanaway who is the founder of this movement and myself have been invited to go to APHA. However, comma space, we need your help. We're trying to raise funds and we've actually reached over half of our financial goals to send us there, but we just need a little bit more to drive it home. So the purpose of us going is obviously to continue to advocate for the profession. We plan on going to the meeting and hopefully in getting to go, we'll be able to interact with other pharmacists. I'm going to try to record some episodes of this podcast there while speaking to other professionals in the pharmacy about what they're thinking, how they're feeling, what they would desire to see happen, things that they are currently excited about happening, and what we can do to work together. And maybe, just maybe, I might run into someone working from Walgreens, Rite Aid, CVS, any of these CEOs that might be there, and see if any of them will sit down and have a little combo with me and or Dr. Tanaway. So, If you want to know how to donate, I will actually leave a link in the show notes below. And I want to go ahead and say thank you so much to those of you who have already donated. You have no idea how grateful we are for your contribution. And even if you just share this information with others by posting the link and letting other people know that you're trying to figure out ways to help support Pizza's Not Working and send us to the meeting, we would even greatly appreciate that. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Also, if you want to become a sponsor for this podcast or for the movement, go ahead and reach out to me either on my social media at Candace Olushala. You can also find me on LinkedIn or you can just email pizza is not working KY for Kentucky at gmail.com. So that is pizza is not working the letter K, the letter Y at gmail.com to let me know how you would like to be a support for this movement and for this podcast moving forward. Now, 
let's talk about a couple things going on in the world of pharmacy. Oh, pharmacy, pharmacy, pharmacy. What are we going to do? Guys, the news, the news, the news, the news outlets are still putting out this story that we are not having enough pharmacists out there to hire. And I want you to get this in your head. There are way too many pharmacists out there, but there's also this wave of pharmacy workers who, though they are licensed, though they can work, they refuse to step behind a counter and end up in a work environment that is not only toxic mentally and emotionally, but is unsafe for them. And when it's unsafe for the workers, it is unsafe for you as a consumer. And so if you want to make sure that you're getting what you need in the safest possible way, which is basically our job description as healthcare workers, as pharmacists and technicians behind the counter, safety and efficacy for you and the public at large is crucial in what we are taught in school. Once that's compromised, you need to be in panic mode because that's going to affect you directly and indirectly. So I wanted to read a little bit of this Forbes news article. This article came out on January 30th of this year, 2023. So it says that major drugstore chains have announced that they will be reducing hours in March following labor shortages. So this month, CVS Health, one of the largest drugstore chains, is expecting to cut hours at two-thirds of its 9,000 locations by March. So that's 6,000 stores this month that will have their hours cut. And Walmart has also announced its plans to shorten pharmacy hours from 9 p.m. to 7 p.m. at most of its 4,600 stores this month, according to a report from the Wall Street Journal. Walgreens had previously announced it was reducing hours due to labor shortages, but of course, we know that the shortages are because the unsafety and the inability to do what we can behind the counter to make sure that the public is safe and getting what they need. Between those three pharmacies, that's CVS, Walmart, and Walgreens, they operate close to 24,000 pharmacies across the country. Sit and think about that. That is so many pharmacies. Whoa, they're everywhere. So this should tell you the weight of their power together to really drive where healthcare goes, right? Not only are chain stores experiencing a shortage, but two-thirds of community pharmacies, those are your independent pharmacies, are also dealing with the labor shortages and struggle to fill open positions, according to a survey from the National Community Pharmacists Association. So this is now impacting independent stores. And there's a whole web of reasons for why that is. And in fact, if you go back to episode one, Dr. Jessica Mills does a really good job at kind of getting into this. 
The article continues to say that employment growth for pharmacists is projected to grow only 2%, much slower than other occupations, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which also reports the demand for pharmacists has risen as they expand their role beyond filling prescriptions. It's really frustrating when you already have a shortage of workers, the number of workers you really need to do your job well and safely, to then have added services. Those added services are taking up time that you already don't have because you don't have enough workers or enough store hours to get your baseline duties done. So think of how stressed out it is behind the counter and the higher the stress behind the counter, the more likely for mistakes to be made and affect you as a consumer. Shortages have, well, what they call shortages, have led to highly stressful job environments for pharmacists, according to the report by the National Pharmacist Workforce Study, with problems ranging from work-life balance issues and heavy workloads contributing to burnout, which we have talked about here. According to the study, pharmacists reporting high workload environments came from chain pharmacies at 91%, 91%. That is insane. And mass merchandiser pharmacy settings at 88%. Contributing to the problem is wage growth for pharmacists, which actually didn't grow at all because it fell 5% last year after adjusting for inflation, which was reported to the New York Times. Following the previous pharmacist shortage in 2000, according to a report to Congress by the Health Resources and Services Administration, new schools of pharmaceutical studies opened up at a rapid rate. And by 2010, the the supply of pharmacists outpaced the demand. Now think about that. Let me pause here. We ended up having A number of pharmacy schools explode in the country. We just had a booming number open up. And then by the time we got to 2010, we had too many pharmacists to the point where the last 10 plus years, they were pretty much trying to figure out what they were going to do with all these pharmacists when they really actually didn't have enough jobs to hire every pharmacist that graduated. This led to a petition from pharmacists to stop accreditation until 2030, according to a report by the American Journal of Pharmaceutical Education. Still, U.S. data shows despite employment growth, there are 13,600 projected job openings for pharmacists each year, though those numbers come from other pharmacists leaving the industry and older ones retiring. Now, independent pharmacies... Responding to a survey, say shortages are leading to higher payroll costs and longer wait times for patients looking to fill their prescriptions. I'm sure you as a patient or a pharmacy worker totally know what that means. It is insane in the pharmacy and it's like people can't get their prescriptions. You're frustrated that you're not getting your prescription or you're frustrated that you can't get your patient your their prescriptions. It is so much. And data also shows jobs at community and chain pharmacies decreasing as more people fill their prescriptions online or by mail. 
part of the reason why they're doing that is because their insurances are telling them to do that, not because they want to. And that's a whole other conversation for another day. Some chains, such as Walgreens, are looking toward automated robots to fill prescriptions as it deals with shortages of pharmacists and cut their workload by 25% and save the company $1 billion, reports the journal. Another study also found that younger pharmacists are more restless in their positions and are more likely to look for another job opportunity. Now, I actually don't like the fact that they would report that younger pharmacists are becoming restless in their positions. That wording makes it seem like young pharmacists just aren't willing to put in the work. And that is not true. If that were not the case, we would not have spent three to four years plus going after a doctorate degree to serve our patients. We know hard work. We worked hard to obtain our licenses and to accuse us of being restless in our positions is actually a spit in the face of every hardworking licensed or almost licensed pharmacist out there. What we don't want to do is do our job and be at risk for malpractice, to be at risk for hurting a patient, to be at risk of being hurt ourselves, we do not want to have to fight the system to do the job that we were trained to do. And that is the truth, not this nonsense that it is the young pharmacist just being restless and can't do the work. The implication here is absolutely unfair. This is wild. Just that alone, what we just read, is... A lot to take in. There are a lot of pieces there that we need to keep in mind, that we need to keep our eyes open about. And so as a patient, as a worker behind the counter, as a physician, a nurse, anyone who is connected to healthcare, whether that's you are a patient of healthcare or you work for healthcare or even both, or you just know someone and love someone who has to get their health taken care of by their doctors and their physicians and their pharmacists. You need to stay aware of what's going on and getting involved, talking to your boards of pharmacies in your state as a patient and talking to your pharmacists, talking to your technicians, checking in to see what is going on and what you can do to voice your thoughts. You can even write to your legislatures as patients to let them know that you're affected and you're noticing the differences in your care and then share why it's crucial to you that they listen and help out the pharmacies to create laws and policies that will benefit the public health at large because this is causing a public health crisis. We've been in a public health crisis due to the dangers of the healthcare system for a long time, well over 10 years at this point, but the narrative has been twisted to where it doesn't quite seem like that. And we're trying to raise awareness about that. So please keep following the hashtag pizza's not working. Keep staying involved in this movement. We're trying so hard to make sure that you get what you need, that we get what we need, and that hopefully we can work together with nurses, physicians, 
dentists, anyone who works in healthcare to take it back and make sure that this country is not compromised anymore when it comes to the structure of healthcare because the business of healthcare is literally that. It is focused so much on the business that it seems to have forgotten the fact that there are lives behind every transaction out there. And we as the workers, we care about your lives and we care about our own lives. Both of our lives matter. All of our lives matter. And it's up to us to speak out and share and advocate for the longevity and the integrity of the public health at large. Today's shout out is to cardiologist and patient advocate, Dr. Evan Levine. He has been so vocal on LinkedIn about how what's going on in pharmacy right now in the United States is affecting his practice with his patients and how he is seeing that impact his colleagues and their patients as well. He's trying to make his physician friends also stand up and show that we need to work together to combat what is going on with these major chain companies. In fact, I remember reading a story that he posted of a patient that he had who had gone to their chain pharmacy store and they could not get their medication and he tried to call the pharmacy and he couldn't even get through for way over 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes and he was so frustrated that he had to address it online and say, look, enough is enough. We are seeing patients in and out of the hospitals coming back for things that we were treating them for. And yet because of what's going on in pharmacy right now, we cannot do our job as physicians. So if you think that this movement of pizza is not working is only affecting the small little corner called pharmacy, you are mistaken. It is affecting the pharmacy, it is affecting the physicians, it is affecting any practitioner in the system to be able to do their job well. And this is why it's important for us to work together with our practitioners, with our patients, with the community, with our legislature to get things moving. We can't let this go on anymore. So Dr. Evan Levine, thank you so much for being a vocal physician on behalf of those of us in the pizza's not working movement and anyone working in the field of pharmacy and your colleagues as well to make sure that our patients and the public's health is not compromised anymore. Today's conversation was conducted with Dr. Ifi Ivan, a retail pharmacist, wife, mom, and entrepreneur. She's a social media influencer and has recently been featured in Forbes and Essence magazine, highlighting her growth and building her brand in Coma by Ivy and Livy, an African print inspired loungewear line. With over 130,000 followers across her social media platforms, Efi's mission is to show other women that you can be about your career, a business owner, and still balance home duties as a wife and mother. 
In this conversation, she poses the idea of expanding retail-level harm reduction interventions and empowering pharmacists and technicians to offer education, resources, and support with less red tape. In short, she basically talks about what good care means in the pharmacy setting and how to achieve it through common sense policy changes. Okay, so... What pharmacy topic are you wanting to unpack for us today? Um, for me, I feel like people don't talk about it enough, but the whole pharmacy business model, um, our roles as a pharmacist and roles as a tech in the retail setting and how patients have access to us. So that I think that's something that needs to be reformed in the field of pharmacy. Um, so that's that's like my... That's like, I feel like for me, primarily in my head, like, I think that's where we need to start with everything. Um, and just redefining roles for pharmacists, techs, and retail, and completely, for me, it's like completely changing the business model. Okay, so then what, what do you see the business model to be now that you think needs to change into something different? So... The, I, so the, the pharmacy business model hasn't changed in, in, in decades, in a long time. I, I even feel like before it was more regulated, um, when regulation started, I feel like that's where we're still at with the business model. Um, I, feel it, I feel like it needs to be a little bit more convenient and faster access to medications, faster but safer to patients. And I feel like we have a lot of disconnect between the providers, the pharmacists, and the insurance companies. And I think that disconnect is what causes delays and problems. And when people go coming to the pharmacy, it's, it's like a chore or, you know, an errand that's like, oh, I, hope, I wonder if my medications will be ready when I get to the pharmacy. Um, so for me, I feel like the model needs to be going towards closed door and everyone I feel like wants to keep the relationship and access to pharmacists you know in the community like easy like if I walk into a retail I can talk to my pharmacist right away but um, I feel like technology has made it easier for us to be able to contact patients customers without being face-to-face and still provide quality care Um, so I think the model needs to be closed door and have different roles with so within the pharmacy more like like um, facility-based. So we have, you know, sections for technicians that are, are fulfilling um, prescriptions and actually, you know, bagging it and sending it out to be mailed. Another section should be for pharmacists that are actually verifying, you know, doing visual verifying of um, the medications before they're filled and then one last check before they're shipped out. And then the other section of pharmacists should be doing um, doctor calls and patient calls. Um, in retail, you're doing all of that at the same time, all day, every day. And yeah, I want the doctor to call me when I call and say something is wrong or they need to cancel or change something for a patient or they want to stop a medication, but it's not convenient how it is now where it's like we walk into a pharmacy, we start working, we have drive through then we have calls, then we have, okay, I got the prescription, but it's wrong. I need to send it back. And then the patient's coming in and saying, where's my, where's my, where's my medication? You know, it's just like, 
it's just too much. Um, and the traffic has increased so much that how, like, how are we efficient? And then you want us to do vaccines on top of it. So I think the roles need to be divided. Pharmacy needs to be closed door. Um, and I think that will be more efficient with, once we get prescriptions, we verify and get it sent out. Um, I think pharmacy should be in the model of kind of like how Amazon is. If, if, if I'm getting a prescription from a doctor, I should be able to fill it and send it out that same day. Patients should get it that day, next day or two days. Um, now we have a gap where it's like, okay, they're doing mail order, but it's not coming. We don't know when it's coming, but the doctor will send a new prescription to fill in that gap until it comes again. Like, how is that, how is that efficient? <laughs> you know? And I did mention this one time in one of the pharmacist groups that I, that I was in during the pandemic when everything got bad. Um, people were saying like, what do you think needs to be done? And I was the only one that said the whole business model needs to be changed. And everyone was just like, um, I don't think that's, you know, efficient. I don't think, it, you know, we should cut off being, you know, in front of the patients. But um, when we talked, when we call doctors, emergency lines, it's all virtual now. You know, my sister, she's a pediatrician and she was doing telehealth most of the pandemic. So if physicians can do telehealth, I think, I think we're perfectly capable of doing that. So for me, that's just where I think we need to start with the whole pharmacy model and just being more efficient and just upgrading and, you know, integrating technology and access. So. Here's a message from today's episode sponsor. Insulet, makers of Omnipod, are proud to partner with the Pharmacy Podcast Network to support the 2023 APHA Annual Meeting and Exhibition. The Omnipod 5 Automated Insulin Delivery AIDS System is indicated for people with type 1 diabetes ages 2 years and older. Omnipod 5 is the first and only tubeless AIDS system in the United States that is exclusively available in the pharmacy. The Omnipod 5 combines a tubeless, waterproof, wearable pod that integrates with Dexcom G6 CGM to automatically adjust insulin based on glucose trends every 5 minutes. Visit the Omnipod team at booth 216 to learn more about this innovative technology. Disclaimers. The pod has an IP28 rating for up to 25 feet for 60 minutes. The Omnipod 5 controller is not waterproof. The Dexcom G6 is sold separately and requires a separate prescription. Visit omnipod.com safety for additional important safety information. That's actually one of the first times that I've heard someone also say that we should pretty much go, we should look into shifting into a closed door model versus the open door, which would allow us to see the patient with, with patients that come to the pharmacy that complain about not being able to see their doctor, they have to be on the phone with them or not being able to see their pharmacist because they're so busy and they just want to have a question like the good old days, right? You hear these, you know, our senior patients coming in and they miss that. They miss literally walking in and I have a question. I just want to talk to my pharmacist and they see them, but they can't interact with them. How, how do you see the closed door model working for those patients that already have a frustration with there not being that interaction? Um, I think it's just 
adapting. Um, there's a lot of technology, there's a lot of ways that we've shopped now where we used to see things in person and to be more efficient and you know faster and to be have more access to more people at one time. Technology has to come in and we have to just change everything. So I think people just will, will have to get used to, okay, I may not be listening to my pharmacist in person, but I can call them virtually or I can call them on the phone and they're they're available. Like you know what I mean? Like as I was saying before, like the team of pharmacists are answering calls or making calls, while the other pharmacist group is actually verifying. I think that needs to be split up. Um, so then when you realize it, it's like, okay, I can be at home and call my pharmacist virtual or on the phone. So I don't even need to like get out of my house. So I think it's just just um, adapting to the change and realizing that it's actually more efficient and you have a faster access. And as soon as you call, someone's gonna answer the phone, not drive somewhere, wait in line. Hopefully the pharmacist is available. And the pharmacist doesn't have time to sit down and counsel you and go over all your meds like we like like we like I feel like retail the retail upper upper ups think that we have time to like sit down and grab a coffee and let's go over your meds today. You know what I mean? Like they they think like doing CMRs and retail on they they think we have time to do that. Um, so I think it's more of just adapting to the times and just, you know, changing your mindset and realizing, okay, this way is more efficient. So it'll take time. Just like, you know, retail shopping, catalog, you know, online, you can try on clothes virtually, you know, everyone has to get used to that. Delivery, you know, so we'll, we'll get used to it. Now, I like that you kind of explained it like that, where things are evolving. And if there's a way to help educate and reassure because I think that's probably part of some of the pushback that some patients have had because it kind of just came all of a sudden no one really explained anything to them like oh what's happening well what's going on I don't I don't understand and they're just being told well this is just what's happening they're they're not processing the transition and half the time the pharmacy staff isn't even processing the transition it's just kind of thrown at the pharmacy staff. So everyone's kind of adapting by force and trying to swim when told to swim and not really understanding why we're swimming and where we're swimming and what's going on in this big vat of water. Right. So being able to teach patients that, yeah, there is, there's benefit in this closed door telepharmacy model that would allow them to get what they need, hopefully more efficiently. Um, I, I'm coming from a background of having done MTMs and CMRs, which for those that are listening and don't really know what that is, it's basically when the pharmacist talks to the patient about their entire med list and goes over them, looks for interactions with any medications or with foods that they're eating as well. And their supplements, then making sure there's nothing duplicate on their medication list that they're not taking two of the same type or three of the same type of medication. And then just kind of making sure that each patient knows how each drug is supposed to work for them and how they're actually supposed to be taking it, or at least seeing how they are taking it and making sure that that's actually appropriate for the therapy that their providers want them to have. So I actually did that virtually 
and mm-hmm. did it for a chain pharmacy for uh for a little over a year and i did see the benefit for patients who thought it was super cool that they didn't have to leave their households and this is these are mainly senior citizens right they were like whoa i can just call you and we can talk about my meds i'm like yeah you can call me let's talk about your meds that's my sole job description that's the only reason why you can do this if i didn't have that role and i had to do everything else that you see your pharmacist doing in your store this this conversation would not be happening at all so creating a separate role for pharmacists that do sit down and have those one-on-one conversations whether it is in person and they want to come in and sit down because they need all their bottles laid out and you know it works virtually too where you'd say get your get your pill box get your bottles and lay them out for me and i want you to read which one you have in front of you okay what do you think that one's for okay how are you taking it okay so it still works it is an adjustment though So, so from your perspective then if we shifted from an open door to a closed door model to reduce the uh, potential for harming a patient, how does that, how do you see that looking from a public health perspective compared to what we're seeing now in pharmacy? Um, so two, two ways to look at it. One the patient view. Um, the only thing they need to worry about is that my doctors send the medication, like the, the prescription. And then you know for sure that the pharmacy got it and I'm going to get it in a day or two. Um, just being more fast and convenient and getting that specialized and more focused open door communication with MTM, you know, consulting with the pharmacist. Um, so if, if, so perspective, if I was the patient, I'm an elderly patient, so I took a bunch of meds and I'm confused. My doctor never talks to me about anything. Um, my prescriptions will come in in, in, a, in a day or two. I know that guaranteed. And I can always call my pharmacist on the phone if I have questions, if I, if I, you know, need clarity, if I'm confused, if I mixed up my medications, anything. Um, and, then, and then that's it. I don't have to worry about, um, you know, all the delays that we know with this retail. Now, from a pharmacist, like a pharmacist's uh, perspective or like a worker in the, in the pharmacy, um, it's just more cohesive and a more streamlined workflow that I think that we, that we will experience. And when you're not faced with doing every single thing, then you focus on maybe the two or three tasks that I'm assigned to do while the other team of pharmacists do, do something else, you know, I, I'm not burnt out. Um, I'm more focused. I'm not trying to visual verify where I'm, where, while I'm, you know, listening for the phone and then someone's at the window and then someone's at, you know, drive through So more focused and safer on work environment. Um, and then pharmacy wouldn't be such a, hassle or such a burden as a pharmacist so it's there's I feel like it'll open up a lot more jobs and quality of care will go up um, 
and you know when I'm applying for jobs or you know wanting to work in my field, I'm not dreading it. You know, if if we're coming out of one retail position and we're trying to find something better, it's like okay, well, retail is what's in the market now. Okay, what is the worst of the two of the, all the evils that's available? You know, like we shouldn't have to be so negative towards our field and you know all the years that we've studied and we worked and our skills that we developed you know i feel like we shouldn't feel so disgusted towards you know the job openings and stuff and you know people complaining about oh we're burnt out we don't get lunch breaks you know they're not paying well you know it's it's like come on during the pandemic um i felt i felt like we were the 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 most important healthcare workers that that were closed, like closed off. You know, I felt like we were the most disrespected healthcare workers during the pandemic because it's either you're a doctor or you're a nurse. Those are the only two most important people during the pandemic times. And it's like, um, first of all, I'm the one that's filling the meds. And I'm the one that's the first person that um, someone that has questions will come to because it's, you know, I'm local and we're the ones giving, okay, like we're the ones giving vaccines, but we're not getting paid well. And we're not being respected in the, in the news as frontline healthcare workers. Um, so I think, you know, that will bring up more respect and um, towards the field of pharmacy and it'll, it'll bring the, all the pharmacists, you know, that work whether in hospital or retail, you know, consulting, just a better, outlook and better feeling towards our work and our careers and work so and so for me that's that's how I see it patient view and then pharmacist view yeah yeah definitely I I feel you on that lack of respect during the yeah. pandemic and not that we were the not that we were very respected before but we were more respected than yeah. during yeah. the pandemic and most places didn't even consider us healthcare or anything at all. I don't recall ever hearing in the news being considered a healthcare worker, even yeah. something as simple as, and I've heard, I've literally heard pharmacists complain about this. So I'm this, uh, this is not me being petty. This is just me pointing <laughs> out how we were viewed during the pandemic. Okay. Mm-hmm. Literally when they, even when there's establishments that would have free insert blank here like insert or whatever here for healthcare workers and they would have this list of healthcare workers and pharmacists were never on the list ever you would go in and you'd go hey um i'm a pharmacist i literally work across the street from your establishment can i get this and they're like well you're not on the list so you don't count i'm like do you need to see my license yes i do count that was the first thing on my list why that was like okay so we don't get discounts we don't get recognition on the news you know if the president is saying like you know we want to thank the doctors and and the nurses that are frontline i'm just like what about us you know so those are the two things that come in my head I'm like oh, so we're not considered healthcare but when vaccines come out oh pharmacists give the vaccines i'm like oh so now you so now you remember me huh okay right right Right. It's like, I thought I wasn't a healthcare worker. My bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. We were the ones giving vaccines. Think yeah. about that. Yeah. And the way we were 
made to give vaccines was also very disrespectful. I'm just going to put that out there. I will say, I will say disrespectful. So when, so I was surprised that we were asked and, you know, given the job to give the vaccines in the U.S. And for me, I was, okay, should I, do I want to give vaccines? Do I want to like, you know, do vaccine clinics? So when they told us like the pay, I think I was very shocked. I was mm-hmm. very shocked. So I was like, cause I was expecting a lot more for during the pandemic and we're the ones giving vaccines. I was very shocked and that's was like, okay, no, another disrespect. So this is what they're paying us to give vaccines. Huh, okay. Right. Yep. Yeah. yeah cause they, they were, they're trying to hire. I don't, I don't know if people fully remember or piece together what was going on during the pandemic, but there were our chain pharmacies and even independents independents it kind of took them a while to get vaccines to their stores but we had pharmacies being just shipped vaccines and they're like oh by the way on monday you're starting vaccines like oh are we okay and then no instruction everyone's looking up online did did the cdc give a way to give this vaccine everyone's got the package insert trying to read the directions Mm -hmm. like what is going on and then you had places that were just trying to hire pharmacists even just on contract some of them just like hey we're having a vaccine clinic and we need pharmacists like you. And the pay was not appropriate. I'm just going to say that right now. Absolutely disrespectful. So we're pretty much just thrown to the wolves and there's people are getting vaccines. The incentive to vaccinate was not really there. And on top of that, we still had to do our everyday jobs in the stores. So we're, especially in the chain pharmacy world, the corporations were having pharmacists vaccinate and they'd say, okay, let's, let's hit a goal, right? Just like flu season, but it's a vaccine we've never worked with. So it's different from flu season, right? So they're like, okay, here's this vaccine. Let's try to shoot for 30 vaccines a day. And then at random, They'd be like, just kidding, 60 vaccines a day. And then it'd be like, just kidding, 5,000 vaccines. It's like, what is this increase in vaccines yeah. every day? Do I vaccines. don't have time. You want me to do MTM? Yes. You want me to take doctor calls? You want me yes. to do COVID tests? COVID yes. tests? Okay. Yes. Come on. Like, oh, I'm, I'm not even going to start. <laughs> it was a lot. A lot was happening. And then there's yeah. other things that are going on, like, do you want to be and then, on and then, the autofill list? Our pay, decreased. our pay decreased so much in that time. Yes. yes. I am just, you want me to do more and get paid less, you know? Yes. And we don't have enough workers to exactly, even do exactly. this job. So exactly. it, it was, I don't, I don't think, I don't know how to word this. So I was in pharmacy school up until a couple years before the pandemic. And I remember the model of pharmacy shifting to where even as a pharmacy student, I could sense the fear of hurting someone just 
increase like crazy behind the counter. And it wasn't because our, our jobs hadn't quite changed, but there's these little things that were, were shifting in the model that made what we did every day more challenging. And then once the pandemic hit that additional layer made the anxiety of not just hurting our patients, but hurting ourselves so much higher and now that's now that's become almost like our new baseline and that's petrifying where you talk to a you can talk to a pharmacist anywhere and you ask them like how are you feeling in the pharmacy and everyone's kind of on edge in a way that they've never been before with the risk of their license being revoked because of hurting someone or or a patient hurting themselves and it it's it's scary. Yeah. It's really scary. And to me, that's, that's a public health crisis that we're, we've basically been sitting in before the, since before the pandemic, I will be clear about that. The pandemic didn't cause it, it exacerbated it, but, but something like this model that you're just talking about as far as doing a closed door and making sure everyone has their role and they just have these fine-tuned tasks that are just assigned to them to do efficiently to make sure that the public is not harmed and that the workers are not harmed and everyone gets paid adequately like it sounds very simple and yet here we are having to have this conversation bringing this up because corporations aren't seeing it our way or not wanting to see it our way which is can just continues to be very scary from my from yeah. my perspective yeah yeah and it's like there's more pharmacy so think about it if um if i ordered something from like macy's and i didn't get it or it was the wrong thing or it's damaged i can call someone right really quick or i can just go online and start, submit something and then it's taken care of like really fast but there's there's more pharmacies than Macy's within whatever like square mile radius. So if they can get themselves together and be efficient with customer service and everyone has their tasks and how they do things, why can't we as professionals, you know, highly educated professionals and we have the, we have the people to get the work done. And like, what, why can't we be efficient just like that? You know. Like, like how, like how is, and I said, I keep saying it's Amazon, like how is Amazon that's, is, is so, is so young compared to pharmacy in general? How, like how, how were they able to be so efficient with um, retail? And it's, and going back to what I said, it's just going with the times of technology and evolving over time. And, you know, I think when you focus, and Amazon's focus is on the customer and, and pleasing the customer the fastest and best way possible, you know, no matter what. But I feel like corporate and pharmacy, it's more about the numbers and, you know, money. And, you know, I like, do you even, do you even ask if there's, you know, if the pharmacists are okay? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you even ask, but you're asking about, okay, how many vaccines do you guys do today? You know, why are your numbers like this? Why does, why is your, your calls, your, your, 
your time to answer calls, like the time, you know, so high. It needs to be like, as soon as the phone rings, it needs to be answered. Like those are the metrics that we're being told back to about, you know, things like that. You know, it's just like, it's, it's sad. <laughs> it is sad. It is very yeah. sad. And, and, and I it's have... like, we don't care about the, the patient and their care. You know what I mean? It's, it's we, we want them to like, when, and, you know, going to like, what the definition of good care, you know, it's, it's having the most desirable outcome for your patient's health, you know, mm-hmm. no matter how, because this is someone's life, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, this is not like, it's not like shopping and buying clothing. It's like someone's life. So I feel like we need to go back into that focus and just, just be more simplistic. Okay. How do, how do you, how do you provide the best care to our patients? the fastest care, the safest care, the most convenient care, you know? So I think that's where we need to like shift focus to corporate does. I mean, we're here, we're saying it, but corporate, like, you know, like you, like you're not even on ground to know like what's going on sometimes. Right. <laughs> you know I mean? Wouldn't even know. Wouldn't yeah. even know. So wait, do you, I do have one more question for you then. Um, yeah. Do you think that when you say closed door model, do you think that the closed door model should be reserved for the corporations and then have open door models be preserved for the independents because they have the, they basically get to dictate how their stores are operating. So they could do that for patients that want the open door model still. Yeah. Do you think that balance so, is okay. Yeah. So I think that, there should be a caveat into that with the closed door model because patients will still go to the, the pharmacy and like pick up OTC meds or OTC stuff and they need someone to ask. And, I, and they always have the most questions. So um, if we have a pharmacist on ground that's there to counsel on OTC meds, that's what they're there for. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's yeah. literally all they're there for. It's just being there on site and counseling um, and they can probably pick up extra tasks that are like overflow from like the other facilities, you know, maybe verification or taking calls, but that's it. Like we're not filling meds, you know, we're not, um, you know, call, we're not actively trying to call, you know, physician's office for clarification, but just being there for OTC consults and then, you know, any overflow from any facilities of, you know, pharmacists, you know, we just take it as, you know, in between someone coming to the window and asking, Oh, can you help me with like pain cream or something like that? So. That's really, actually, I really like that idea to just have someone who's like, I'm, I'm in the OTCs. I'm here. (laughs) You show up, Bob, the pharmacist, I got you. Right. I love that. Just like minute clinics. You know what I mean? Like the nurses are there to take, you know, the, the, the appointments just based on, you know, who comes in, who makes an appointment, but then in between, you know, someone coming in, they can be working on, you know, verification or something like that, but it's just right. simple, you know, like that's my task. That's, that's the only reason why I'm here is this, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. I love that. So how do you think that pharmacy workers and patients could find ways to help push an initiative like this forward? Um, I think the big and major pharmacy organizations need to come together and create a board of representatives of us 
that will then go to the right people and the right place to present this. Like, I, we're here to represent the pharmacists of America, the physicians of America, and this is what the, this is this is where pharm pharmacy needs to go. Because um, I feel like if we don't, people more business savvy people, like say like your Mark Cubans will come in and you know, some, some, some business, some, some like healthcare business person that will see that will come in and go pitch the idea to like a billionaire, you know, investor, and then take these types of, take, take the whole pharmacy away from these corporations. And then they'll start building this model and they will, they will put retail, I feel like, out of business. So I, I honestly feel like if an idea like this gets to someone that has connections to the right people and these billionaires investors have the money to do what they want to do, you know, that they have the money to give to somebody to go, okay, this is a great idea, go do it. And then the, the, I feel like these pharmacies start popping up and they'll be, and they'll, they know the marketing, they know how to get to the people, they know how to be efficient. I feel like they could definitely put retail out of business. Mm. And one day someone's going to do it, whether it be Amazon <laughs> or these billionaires, like, you know, I said, like, like Mark Cubans and stuff like that, that have money to do whatever, you know, if, if pharmacy does just like Blockbuster and Netflix, you know, yeah. Yeah. just like that. Yep. Just like that. So we we got to watch it guys. Um, I'm just saying we we can complain all day and we can end up like blockbuster okay in healthcare so let's let's keep our eyes open let's stay vigilant okay thank you so much evie this evie thank you so much for this conversation and for unpacking this topic for us today uh, yes thank you for having me i enjoyed it um i i, I i'm a business-minded person so when i get to put like my business you know passion with my career like it, it's fun to talk about so <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. And now for some real stories by real people just like you. This story is from a Albertans pharmacy technician in the state of Illinois. They wrote... If you work for Albertans, you know our corporate office is always honest about vaccines that aren't COVID-related. We are constantly berated about shots, even though all of our patients we have and even the patients from clinics that we do are either vaccinated or not interested. And even so, we don't have the help to do so. They also want us to help out other stores who are also super short-staffed, but will not allow hours, payroll, or overtime to do so. I'm the main technician at my store, and I try super hard to encourage vaccines, but if patients aren't interested, I'm not going to push them into getting it. I feel like our corporate staff does not understand that some of these patients can't afford the copays that come along with these shots, especially shingles. 
We rarely ever get thank you emails, but you can bet we get berated for not doing enough on top of our store work, which is consistently growing in volumes and sales. I simply wish that our district and corporate pharmacy managers would acknowledge that we're trying our best here. To the person that submitted that story, thank you so much for showing us another side of what's going on behind the counter. These stories are so important to highlight and we want your voices to be heard. That wraps up today's episode of the hashtag pizza is not working podcast. There are three ways to get involved with pizza is not working, all of which have URL links with detailed instructions in the show notes for how to do just that. Number one, join your state's pizza is not working branch, either publicly or anonymously. Number two, submit a public or anonymous story or spotlight to be read on the show. And number three, apply to be a potential guest for this show. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I just hope that you didn't burn the roof of your mouth with this one. Again, this is your host, Dr. Candace Olushala, closing up shop. Until next time, peace.